Obviously. Nothing I desire compares with you. And I think we tend to, when, when we think about the things of this world, we think about everything that's in it, and we think about our day-to-day lives and how we go about it, uh, the things that we think about, the things that are in our minds, control our thoughts, um, the speech that we have, how we, we talk to one another. I think the world tends to put a lot of things before God himself. It, it just sneaks in and just kind of inches its way into our subconsciousness and, and, and kind of takes over if we're not careful, if we're not feeding ourselves a good food, uh, we're feeding ourselves junk, and it's easy to get uh, lackadaisical, lazy about it, and really not think much about it. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about greed. I'm going to do a kind of a series within a series. We're in the book of Proverbs, in the series titled "Living Wisely in a Foolish World." But uh, in, the, in the series within a series, kind of the, the, the sermon inception, if you will, we're going to talk about what most of you might be familiar with as the seven deadly sins. That's not really a biblical standpoint. There's no seven deadly sins. And so, uh, I, but I, I think as we look at wisdom and what it is, what it looks like for us, we, we need these signs. How do we know? that we are headed toward damnation? How do we know that we're headed toward danger? How do we know if we're being wise? And so these are seven signs of sin, these things that creep up into our our lives. And if we're not careful, if we're, again, not feeding ourselves a a healthy diet of biblical doctrine, it's going to uh, usurp us. It's going to take over and it's going to drive us, whereas we should be driven by God and his word. These seven signs, we'll start today with greed, but we're going to talk about envy, we'll talk about pride, wrath, gluttony, lust, laziness, all things that um, come up in our lives that we have to be able to identify it. Uh, we have to give it a name and, and know that it's sin. I'm afraid in these days we do a very poor job of calling sin, sin. And we want to get away with it. Oh, it's not that bad, is it? I'm not really hurting anybody. We'll talk about this with greed. I'm not hurting anybody if I am trying to get ahead. That's the right thing to do, right? That's the American dream, to be successful, to earn a lot of money, to have a, a big house, big car, and, and be uh, people just to look up to me. That's, that's okay, right? I don't think so. Look with me in your copy of God's Word. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 11 this morning. Proverbs 11. We'll be starting in verse 24. And the seven signs of sin. The start here being greed. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, God's Word reads, One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. People will curse anyone who hoards grain, but the blessing will come from one who sells it. 
The one who searches for what is good seeks favor, but if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. Anyone trusting in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. The one who brings ruin on his household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be a slave to someone whose heart is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, but a cunning person takes life. If the righteous will be repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and sinful? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts, being thankful for who you are and who you have always been, the, the Lord you will continue to be. Father, we know that there's a lot of things that goes on in our own lives, and uh, Father, we want to repent of those things that, that we've put before you. Father, forgive us for uh, thinking more about earthly treasures than what we do of you. Father, convict us today of the sin of greed. Help us to see it in our own lives. Help us to be careful not to point the finger of somebody who needs to hear this message because we ourselves are the ones who need to hear it. Father, just give me the words this morning to say and how to say them. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We live in a time today where many of us are just, not, we're not content with what we have. We're always longing and wanting for more. Just a little bit more. Just a little inch further. When you all go into the grocery store, do you, are you aware that there's a science behind the way that they put grocery stores together? It's not by accident when you walk into a grocery store and you're looking on the shelves. When you look at the shelf placement, if you look at where the things are organized throughout the store, so I, I've heard this before, man, I need this one thing or these two things. I got to go to this side of the store and I got to go to that side of the store. That's by design so that uh, we can go in and spend more time. Why does it always seem like you kids just can't buy one or two things when you go into a store like Target? I hear this all the time. It seems like you walk in and you walk into this vortex and you stay for an hour or so and then you, you walk out with a car full of stuff. And I'm sure you can argue, I need everything that I have in this cart. But believe it or not, this has a name. This is called a, a target effect. It's, it's got an actual name, and you can look it up, of how they design their stores and this phenomenon that just not just happens for you, but happens widely when people go into tar, uh, uh, stores like Target. They specifically design their stores so that when you walk into, you, you casually just walk through and you spend your time and your money the aisles are wide, they're well lit. They got the Starbucks right in front so you can pick up your uh, coffee, latte, macchiato, soft drip or whatever you call it, just to give you that extra boost as you walk through their store. Target and other stores, they're good at placing things strategically so that they can encourage cross-selling 
if, for example, you go in to buy a flashlight, it, it needs a couple D batteries, and lo and behold, right next to it, there's 50 D batteries, and they are on sale. Now, you only need two, but can you pass up that sale? Yeah, you never know when you need some extra D batteries. Or you go to the grocery side, and you notice that the kids' cereal are right at eye's length. Uh, for just for kids, right there where they can see it. And you, just, you can't walk out of the store now. You go down the aisle, the kids see it, and they're just throwing a tantrum. they they got to have the Fruit Loops or whatever it is these days. they got to have it, and they'll, they'll do anything to get it into the cart. Or when you get home, for example, all these commercials that we see on our television are enticing us to make us feel subhuman if we don't have the latest and greatest. I mean, you've got to have this to keep up with the Joneses. Look how happy these people are because they have this special thing, this, this gadget or this car or these type of clothes. You've got to have the latest TV. You've got to have the latest car. You've got to have the latest iPhone. Did you know the new iPhone is going to have a triple lens camera? Yours only has two. Or it's going to have a liquid retina display. You've got redness, right? You've got redness, so you need a retina display. Or it's got 5G connectivity. I don't know what 5G is, but it's more than 4. Right? You've got to have this. The, it's just enticing in order to, to keep up with, with different things that we see ourselves longing when what we have is more than adequate. We are in the richest nation in the world. We want and long for anything. Even if you are at some uh, poverty standard, you still have more than what much of the world has. We look at some statistics. The net worth of the average 20-year-old is uh, a negative $27,129. Meaning that the average 20-year-old owes $27,000 more than they have. They're starting off in debt because of student loans or cars or, or whatever it may be. But if these millennials are not careful, once they get a job, uh, then their expenses will just continue to grow. Well, well now I got, uh, I got this job, I got uh, more uh, uh, paycheck, and I can spend more because I'm making more. And you're in this continuous hamster wheel where you can never catch up. And this proves out when you look at the average household, the average household credit card debt is $6,500. And unless they pay that off every month, they will pay $1,200 per year just in interest. If we look at the total debt of the households in the U.S., we find that half Americans spend more than what they make in a year. Brothers and sisters, this is all to show us that we have a lack of contentment. We have a lack of contentment, and what we have uh, is, is almost meaningless, and we just continue to crave more and more. John Piper, in his book, Future Grace, says greed is desiring something so much you lose your contentment in God. I'll read that again. John Piper says, 
greed is desiring something so much that you lose contentment in God. That should be a wake-up for us. When you think about how harmful something like greed is and can be, what we are effectively saying is that we are not content with God providing for us. We look at things and we think we just can't be happy without it. We may not articulate it, but what we're saying is we need God plus whatever. You fill in the blank. We don't need God plus. God is sufficient all on his own. So please understand that this can also apply to more than just material items. If you find yourself saying, I'll be truly happy when I find the perfect husband or I find the perfect wife, when I get the perfect job, then I'll be happy. When God is enough and Jesus doesn't satisfy your soul, this is when you cross over into greed. And I've said this before, you know, it's not, it's not such that money in and of itself is bad. Proverbs itself, it, it often links God's financial blessing. So where it becomes dangerous is when you desire for more, you find satisfaction in money instead of God. Brothers and sisters, greed will destroy you. You may even think, well, I don't have much money, so this, this really doesn't affect me. I'm not a greedy person. It's, it's not a big deal for me. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 9, it says, Those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. So you don't have to be rich to crave riches. Even when you compare yourself with somebody else, uh, oh man, they, they're, they're so lucky they have this or they're able to do that. This coveting is a churchy word that we find in the Bible to exemplify what that looks like in our lives. Look with me again in, in Proverbs 11, verse 24. It says, One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. People will curse anyone who hoards grain, but a blessing will come to the one who sells it. Now, this may be counterintuitive, to us because we're uh, constantly thinking about uh, building our savings and saving for retirement, right? That's a good thing, right? But what's in view here is, is hoarding and stinginess. This is the, the lack of generosity, and this lack of generosity uh, hurts yourself and the people around you. This brings to mind a cartoon where we see Scrooge McDuck. You remember Scrooge McDuck? Uh, filthy rich, and what he enjoyed doing is going and swimming in his vast amount of money. He'd go and open the vault, and he'd go and take a swim just to remind himself how rich he was. 
what the text is saying is that generously sowing and generously watering is what produces fruit. The Scrooge McDucks of the world, they, they just wanted to hoard everything they ca- that came in. They just wanted to keep it up. Maybe it was for a rainy day, and it, it started to be more and more and more, and we see that in our own lives, where we avoid being generous, where we maybe unknowingly to our own selves, we are stingy. But that's not what it produces fruit. The generous produces fruit. And we see this play out in various places in Scripture where people attempt to hoard, but they end up losing everything. They, they say, I, I want to bring in more. I want to do well. I'm, I'm going to be a good person. But in the end, their hoarding turns very bad. In First Kings in 21, if you remember Ahab and Jezebel, they're driven by greed. They, they wanted this vineyard that was right next to them, and uh, the man didn't want to sell it to them. So Jezebel came up with a scheme to have this man killed. Then once that happened, they were able to take over a vineyard. That seems easy, right? But we see that they paid with their own lives later in 2 Kings chapter 9. It wasn't worth it. Then there's a story of the rich man in Luke 16 who prospered in uh, his earthly reward while the poor man, the only comfort he had was the dogs who licked his sores. Later we find they both die and the poor man is then comforted in paradise while the rich man suffered in Hades. So lest you think that greed is a victimless sin, Look with me in Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs 15 and 27 says the one who profits dishonestly troubles his household, but the one who hates bribes will live. If you cheat on your taxes, if you are a workaholic, if you commit fraud, it would inevitably affect the people around you. We see this also in Joshua chapter 7, where Achan, he goes and, and the, the, the Lord tells him, hey, you're going to go and defeat this place, but don't take anything. But Achan saw the silver, Achan saw the gold, and like, well, it won't hurt just to take a little bit for myself. I know God said not to, but who cares? It's not a big deal. Later, we see that Achan is, and his family are stoned for this dishonesty. Or if you flip toward uh, the New Testament, in Acts chapter 5, we see Ananias and Sapphira. They're caught in a lie of holding back money. They just lied about it. They didn't even have to. I I still don't know why. They didn't have to lie about what they gave, but they chose to anyway and were struck down immediately. While it may not seem like it, sometimes just money just doesn't last. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Proverbs 23 tells us exactly this. Proverbs 23 and 4 says, Don't wear yourself out to get rich because you know better. Stop! As soon as your eyes fly to it, it disappears. For what makes wings for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky, 
this is what money in our lives does. So don't neglect your family. Don't lose your relationships. Don't uh, lose your happiness. Or don't let your happiness be determined by something that has no eternal meaning, like money. So what should we do? What if we see a little bit of ourselves in, in the text this morning where we may exhibit some of this greed? What should we do? Look with me in verse 28 of chapter 11. Anyone trusting in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish by foliage. Greed is, is fundamentally a belief and a worship issue. If we are to identify greed, it shows you walking away from Jesus and the wisdom of God because we're trusting in, in something else other than God, idolatry, right? We're trusting in other things more than we trust to him. We call ourselves Christian. The meaning of Christian is someone who follows Christ, that we are a disciple of him. So if we're a disciple of somebody, if we're following somebody who's teaching us, then we ought to start to look like our teacher, right? So let's look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus came to this earth as a man. He was tempted just like we are, but did not sin. He could have went into greed. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he was never greedy. If you remember when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus is fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He's in the wilderness. And Satan comes over to you. He's like, hey, Jesus, um, hey, you're a nice guy. Here's what I'll do for you since I like you. I'll do this for you. If you look out there and see all the kingdoms out there, hey, if you just, just kind of kneel down and worship me, I'll give all that to you. I'll give, I'll, you'll make this yours. This, all you have to do is kneel down and worship me. That's from the Vaughn Sanders translation. Your, your translation might say something different. But instead, what Jesus does in Matthew 4 and 10 when he's confronted with this thing and he's looking out, remember he's been fasting, he, he's getting weary, and, and, and Satan comes and, and says, I will give you all these things. Jesus instead says, go away, Satan. He says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Later, Jesus is given everything that Satan offered to him, but much, much more. Jesus gives up his life on the cross. He's resurrected from the dead, and he then explains to his disciples in Matthew 28 and 18. He says this, all authority has been given to me. All of it. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Man, if what if he had just accepted the, the kingdom from Satan? He, he succumbed to the, the weariness that he was feeling at the time in his earthly being. What if he just gave up for, I mean, it would have looked really nice to have all those kingdoms, but his focus was on something eternal. His focus was on 
so much more. Jesus refused the pleasures of this world and focused on the eternal ones as Christians, as Christ followers, as disciples of Christ, we ought to have the same mind that we would not partake in these worldly, temporal things and have our focus and eyes on eternity. Our treasures in heaven, brothers and sisters, our craving will never be satisfied in this life. You will never have enough as the next person. There's always more. More material items, more love, more people around you, but it pales in comparison to what is awaiting us in eternity. Even though we see Jesus was tempted by greed, he never gave in. This is our example. But instead, he died for the greedy. He died for us who struggle with issues like this. And he provides to us forgiveness. He provides to us salvation. And he provides this to those who would repent of their greed and believe in him. And as we follow him, we can be content. We can be generous. I love how Paul puts it. He says, I know what it looks like to be brought high. I know what it feels like to be brought low. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's speaking of his contentment in Christ. Because regardless of his situation, and this man spent a lot of time in jail, but still yet, he found contentment in their Savior. This is what I, I, I urge for us to deal with and struggle with these realities in our own lives. That our contentment is totally found in Christ alone, not in our bank account, not in our jobs, not in our positions. So let's let's just meditate on that. And I love how God has brought us together as a church, because by myself it's it's difficult. To, to really struggle through some of this stuff and, and see it in my own life. and So what, what do I do with it? And I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that he surrounded me with people that can help. And that's what the church does. Here we like to say we, we have our aims in three areas. One is for us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, to then to thrive as a body of believers, and then to serve Bowenbrook and the greater community. So we can walk together and help each other along in those areas. Because while you might be struggling in the season with greed or some of the other things that we'll talk about in the coming weeks, there's somebody who has been in your seat. And they can share their testimony of what God did in their lives and how he's faithful to do it in yours as well.
Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I thank you for having this in your word and, and speaking to us today. It's easy to think that we are uh, individualistically experiencing a lot of things that happen in life, but when we look through it and read through the Bible, we see that there are people that have been here before. And Father, I thank you for the preservation of your word so that we can see the constancy that you've been in the lives of your people. Father, help us to look to you. Look to you for strength and courage. Uh, we, we look to you for the people that you've surrounded us with that can help us on our journey in the way. Help us not to sweep these things under the carpet. Help us to really deal with it. Continue to refine us. Can continue to mold us. So again, that we can uh, use this as a testimony to help others who are struggling as well. Father, thank you for this and all others. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you please stand as we conclude our